Hi, I'm Tom Bosner, and you're listening to the Well Workplaces podcast, where our vision is for a world where workplaces lead and create healthier communities. Today's podcast is with Michaela Patterson, an award-winning financial wellness advocate. In the episode, we unpack the concept of financial wellness, we talk about the latest consumer trends, and dive into the first steps that you can take to create financial freedom for yourself and your family. Now, the information presented today is not financial taxation or legal advice. It is general and factual in nature. Before acting on any of the information given today, you should consider the appropriateness of the information having regard to your objectives, financial situations and needs. Welcome to the Well Workplaces podcast, where we chat with health and wellbeing leaders that create ripples of positive change in the workplace. I'm your host, Tom Bosner, and today I'm really pleased to be chatting with Michaela Patterson. Michaela is a passionate financial wellness coach and broker from Entourage Finance and winner of Wellness Advocate of the Year at the Advisor Magazine, the Australian Broking Awards for 2020. Michaela, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Great to be here. Thanks for coming. Now, most people think about wellness, Michaela, and they normally think of physical health, mental health, especially now, and social health. So having friends and family and a supportive network. But one of the areas that gets really overlooked, I think, is the concept of financial wellness. And in fact, I think the two words, when you think of finances and wellness, it feels like the words don't really fit together. And in the context of the current climate, which is a global recession and Australia's first recession in 30 years, we're seeing a huge impact on mental health at the moment, like astronomical figures in relation to mental health. It's almost a mental health pandemic as well as a global pandemic. Um, But what what I've noted as well from a mental health perspective is that financial stress is heavily interlinked with mental health. And so that kind of gives a bit of a bit of like a setting up our conversation today because my last guest, Dr. Natalie Flat, was actually we talked a lot about mental health relating to COVID, and I felt like financial wellness was really an important topic right now. But before we get into what is financial wellness and and perhaps getting into some practicalities of it all, it'd be great, Michaela, if you could share what you do and and how you became so passionate about financial wellness. Yeah, I'm a mortgage broker and I've been in the finance industry for nearly 15 years. So I've worked with accountants, financial planners, property lawyers, so a range of different financial services. And along the way in the industry, you learn a lot about all of the different fields. And being a broker, I suppose I was seeing clients all the time who just had the same set of questions over and over. And and I realized that I guess I could see the challenges that borrowers were facing and just thought I'd love to start educating people in some way about credit cards, credit files, all that sort of thing. And when I was younger, when I was about 23 and I first started in the mortgage broking industry, I started earning a really high wage or the highest wage at that, you know, at that point, what I thought was a high wage. And so the first thing I did was, go out and get a brand new car. And so at the age of 23, I spent $43,500 on this bright, (laughs) shiny little Ford Focus XR5 Turbo. And I went and got a loan. The loan was $1,030 a month over seven years. Like at the time, you just don't think about 
how taking out that debt at the time is going to affect the future you. So for seven years, it just, I couldn't, I lived pay to pay. I watched all of my friends travel. I could never do anything like that. And so um, I guess car. I just want to be able to, <laughs> yeah. The day I paid it off was just like, I was 30 and I was, it was the best day of my life. I actually threw a party because I was that overjoyed and just, it was just this massive weight off my shoulders. Anyway, I just want to be able to get as, get, educate as many people as possible as to what taking out those types of debts means and, and how it can affect you. So I've also had my mum actually owned multiple properties at one time and a few life events happened to her, which caused her to do not be able to work. And then she lost multiple properties to the banks. And yeah, there's a few different reasons why for me, I'm quite passionate about it and I just want to educate as many people as I can. So <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's such a great story you tell about the taking out that, that initial loan, her first job, getting that awesome souped up car. Um, I've got a similar similar story, which I won't talk about for too long, but I just remember getting my first job as well as a physiotherapist earning the best money I've ever made. And my first thing I bought was I actually got one of those Harvey Norman credit cards, interest-free type things and bought myself a, a huge TV and a barbecue for my apartment, which I was also, you know, wanting to rent out. So it was a similar um, story. I, I wasn't in, I wasn't paying it off until the age of 30, but it was certainly like a quite an impulsive purchase. And it was almost like at the time to justify that, thinking for me it was like oh i've got a job here's my reward for getting that and i think from having to pay that off over a period of time i actually learnt a little bit of financial being along the way by being a bit more selective of what i chose to spend money on after that yeah and i talked earlier about the the word finances most people think of I used to think of the word finances and it just used to make me see red and I didn't really want to get into it. And then wellness, the word for a lot of people means makes you think of like yoga and meditation. Um, in your sort of view, what does financial wellness mean exactly? Yeah. yeah. I like to use the term freedom. So it's really just feeling free from your finances. So that's being able to pay your bills on time when they come having a safety net or an emergency fund if any large has come up, um, not living pay to pay and not living on credit cards and things like that either. And just having savings in general. So just having savings can have such a good impact on your financial well-being and your overall well-being. It has just having savings has one of the single biggest positive influences on your well-being. Yeah, it is it is quite a broad term and it can mean different things to different people though. And throughout your life, you'll probably find that sometimes you feel more in control of your finances than others. If you are female going on maternity leave, you're going to have reduced income for a while or mm. you might have gone through a relationship breakdown and not actually known anything about what finances you have in place. So yeah, it, it really is. It's quite a broad term and, and can affect different people in different ways so. that's a good summary i suppose yeah take, like the, the word freedom makes a lot of sense it's really taking away the worry of, of of the finances out of your situation can make a huge yeah. difference for how people feel and at the moment in the year 2020 which is where we are at the moment um we're seeing a lot of extra stress 
financial stress on people. There's a recession currently pretty much everywhere as far as, as far as I know. In your field of broking and also what you do with financial wellness and workshops, what are you seeing at the moment with your clients and what's happening in your space? Yeah, I think in the first round of lockdown back in March, we were still just getting on the phone to a lot of our existing clients just because at that time, I think everyone was in shock a little bit and they were worried that they were potentially going to lose their job or have a reduced income. At that point, we were talking to a lot of clients just about the repayment pause that was available at each at each bank if you had a home loan in place or even a car loan or a personal loan or business loans even. So I think during that time, there was a lot of conversations and just we were trying to keep the the line of communication open as much as possible and really just talk through what options um, people had with, with any loans that they had in place. I think probably not as many people were in as much trouble as they might have thought they were going to be and realised that, oh, no, I'm okay, and they got through that first round. Mm. Um, and then the JobKeeper income and JobSeeker income came out, which helped those people that did actually lose their jobs because in the beginning we didn't know that was even going to be available. Mm. Um, so that really helped a lot of those casual workers in hospitality in particular that just had no hours at all. We did see a lot of people drop off um, from buying properties, yep. but then it surged again in about July and there's been a lot of people refinancing to get a better and just reduce their repayments overall as well. But one of the biggest things that happened well that for me anyway was that credit card debt from mm. the start of covid yep. has reduced by 20 percent in australia oh, so really? that's about five billion dollars worth of credit card debt mm. has been paid off during covid so i think that has happened for a couple of reasons mm. probably some people may have accessed the ten thousand dollars from super to pay off personal debt Okay. Which I guess can be a good thing, but it, it can affect your retirement as well. So I would say anyone that is thinking about it to just get some advice from a yeah. super um, advisor first before yeah. you do. But that potentially could have been one of the reasons why some of that debt has fallen. And the other one is just tax returns as well. Obviously, it's been tax time, people using their tax return to pay off debt, but also just the fact that people are generally spending less at the moment because in Melbourne, we, we can't really do anything. And I think probably our food grocery bills have gone up, yeah. but everything else has come down. People have still been shopping online though. The amount of online shopping has increased uh, quite drastically. So what I would say is just be careful with your online purchases. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially if it's going on a credit card or on Afterpay, just make sure that you're not overspending and, yeah, um, because yeah. facilities like that sort of can make you spend beyond your means sometimes. So yeah, yeah. it's just something to be yeah, aware of. Yeah, I was working from home a little bit last week, and I felt like the Australia Post guy was at the door every day just delivering something. Yes. I might have to talk to my wife about the online shopping <laughs> side of things. But yeah, it's a fair point with what's going on. The confidence in the economy and people's um, uncertainty around their incomes perhaps is what's led to people saving a bit more or paying down their debt. Do you feel like at the moment that over the next, say, 
six months, do you feel like there'll be a bit of a change in spending habits or do you have any tips for people to improve their situation that, that are generic tips, but stuff that could be actually quite handy for people right now as they're probably quite stressed about their finances in some ways? Yeah, I think during this time, I know myself and, and I think possibly other people have, because we've been working from home, we've probably been spending less on just even your everyday lunches and coffees and things like that. It is It has been good to make the coffee run a good time to get out of the house for the day. Yeah. But I think if we can take some of the habits that we've created during this time where we're not spending as much money on your lunch every day or a couple of coffees a day, if we can keep that habit going back when we do go back to work and try and make your lunches and not spend that lunch money every day mm. and continue on that, continue your savings. So I think for me, that's probably been a big, I've realized how much I do actually spend just going to work every day. Yeah. Keep that habit. You've created it already. So keep it going when you do go back to work. And back to Afterpay, I know everyone's been online shopping a lot, <laughs> but just be careful because all those little payments add up to one big payment coming out every you know fortnight and month when you get paid. Yeah. So the best way to shop, the safest way to shop still remains to save up for an item first yeah. before you buy it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, that, that's great. There's some good tips there for online shopping and I think that habit you're right about the habit creation say two coffees a day going and going to work on a commute which maybe costs you fifty dollars a week to commute and then you add I don't know eight dollars a day that's that's a hundred bucks a week that it's pretty much gone just on commuting and coffee getting caffeinated and exactly. and getting to work so I think as the workplace returns in probably 2021 and what that might look like is a hybrid workplace where you can work from home or you can go into the office. Maybe it's 50-50. Um, there's an opportunity for people probably to continue that those saving habits. So, yeah, less spending on food and beverage, I suppose, that happen, that's happening right now while we're all locked down and taking it easy this year. I suppose the other one that comes to mind, Michaela, is people spend a fair bit of money on things like fitness, things like hair and beauty, which if you can see my hair, it's pretty ordinary. I'd pay about a hundred bucks for a haircut right now. I suppose when people go into adding those things back into their finances, maybe this time around, they might be like, do I really need that? Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. I was going to add that. I think people will be making more meaningful purchases on those things like your nails eyelashes with as females we've got so many different things there's nails hair eyebrows all sorts of things so i think definitely people are going to think do i really need to get that every month or every six weeks maybe they could push it out a little bit further because we've had to do it for so long now but also the other one is like travel a lot of people who would normally spend quite a fair amount of their wage on travel haven't been able to do that. So we might find coming up that people, because they've saved the, the money that they would normally spend, there might be some other large purchases. So a new car, mm. like a boat, people earning probably a higher amount of income because mm. they haven't been able to do that annual Europe trip. 
there might be some of those larger purchases happening because they can't spend their money on anything else. No travel yeah. at the moment. Either, so. Yeah, to take away that international travel, you'd hope that spending goes into the local tourism economy. My father-in-law normally travels overseas quite a lot. He just bought a Winn Winnebago, I think is the right word. So a big, uh, <laughs> but he's in Queensland and he's just, he's decided to travel a fair bit of Australia. So he's bought this huge, huge Winnebago to travel around in, which is pretty cool. I suppose for those people that are maybe on the other end of the scale where they've either reduced, they've got a reduced wage now, or perhaps they've lost their role or their industry is highly impacted. And perhaps they're just a little bit mentally fairly I suppose anxious and worried state right now going back to your definition of financial wellness it's about creating some freedom for those types of people where would where's a good place to start if you've had your head in the sand where I've been before in the past when I went to Harvey Norman and just had a blowout for those people that are right at the start of their financial well-being or they're just completely not they've never really thought about this or they don't know where to start what would you recommend yeah, the first step really is to look at what you're spending and if you've got any debts, write it all down. So write down any debts that you've got and then go through your budget. So the best way of doing that is to jump onto your internet banking, run a transaction search for the last 90 days. Some banks will actually allow you to export that then to a Excel spreadsheet. Yes. And once you've done that, you can hit filter and, you know, filter it alphabetically so that all of your expenses are grouped together and you can see, it helps you to see where your money is going. Mm. So mm. just looking at what you are spending now is then going to help you realize, okay, this is where I can cut out costs or reduce to help me say, get on top of that credit card a little bit better. If you are falling behind on any debts, mm. you, you my best advice is to just keep the line of communication open with that credit provider. They do want to work with you to repay their debt yeah. um, and they're not scary. Often you, you, can, you don't want to speak to them. If they're ringing you on their phone, you can feel anxious. Just get on the phone and work with them because they do want to work with you. Yeah, that would be my advice. Really. Yeah, that, that's, it's like any, I suppose I liken it to any other health type concern where the first step is awareness. And moving yourself from pre-contemplation, which is like contemplating that I need to do something, to then moving <laughs> into the stage, which is called the contemplation sort of stage of behavioural change, where you're like, all right, I need to start with something. So as Michaela has suggested there, it's really about understanding where your money is going first and then actually from that, bringing some awareness to that and then being able to do something about that is probably the step that follows that and i've noticed michaela as well in a as a financial product consumer like everybody who has a bank account i've noticed that the banks and the financial institutions now are, are using the word financial wellness a lot and that's something that's come about in the last what couple of years why is that do you think i think it's well i personally think it's because i feel like there's been the move just with overall wellness where it's becoming a lot, you know, people are more aware of it, especially employers and now banks as well. So I think it's just that they're trying to show that they, they care and it's more about the consumer, yeah. which people like. And I know 
I was speaking with one of the big four banks, and I won't name names, but, but they're actually going to move. A lot of the banks make their money from our the consumers' mishaps, late fees. So if we are late, that's how they make money off us mm. to make late payments. So they're actually one of the banks are going to move towards making their money in other ways and more like financial wellness to do yep. with financial wellness with clients. So they'll be encouraging people to pay on time. So they're going to try and switch how banking is thought of. And they actually, the banks now can see so much information about us as consumers because everything is so digital and even more so during COVID, right? Because yeah. we're not using a lot of cash anymore. It's all on the card. So banks can literally predict what we're going to do next because they can see our exact movements. So I think they're really going to be using that to then try and give us other benefits and try and promote other things for our overall well-being and financial well-being. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I think it makes sense if you've got more financially aware consumers, there's going to be, and yes, they'll have to change their overall model. But I've seen examples of things like a home loan person that used to be just a home loan person would be now a first home buyer coach. I suppose it's clever marketing, yeah. but it's using the words coach and the use using the words financial wellness appropriately. The other thing I've noticed as well is on the big four banks websites, there's a lot of great tools that people can use to create that first step of awareness and then hopefully facilitate some change. Michaela, lastly, you've got a lot of financial wellness workshops that you do. How would you recommend people connect with you at Entourage Finance? So the best place is probably just to head to our website, Tom. So it's entourage.com.au. So there's a page on our website which is dedicated to financial wellness and you can inquire about our corporate workshops, which I can now do online virtually. Yeah. And also we have a financial wellness challenge that you can jump on the website and sign up to. Uh, it's free. You get one email a week for a month and it's just got some really helpful tips in there which might help you, you know, get on your journey to financial wellness. Thanks for listening today to the Well Workplaces podcast. I hope you got a lot out of the financial wellness topic. If you can give us some feedback on the various platforms that you might be on, such as Apple or Spotify, that'd be greatly appreciated. Really looking forward to bringing you some amazing guests over the coming weeks um, on various topics in health and wellbeing.